Blog Talk Radio. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Merry Christmas and Happy Yule to all those who celebrate. And it's a very important holiday for the majority of people out there in the world. Yule represents basically the idea of the death of the old world, life to the new world, where the sun goes down, we have the longest night, and we prepare for the time on which the light will return and hope would return. Because you've got to remember, for most of human history, Midwinter, or you know, as, as it is, it's actually because winter really begins October 31st for a lot of the old traditions. At the end of the harvest, it would mean that we're halfway through this worst time, this horror, horrifying time of cold, where there was not enough food, maybe or anything else. So if you had plenty of food, you celebrate it. And oftentimes, a lot of the feasts were around food that you had that wasn't going to make it to spring because well, food rots and everything else. So we have this sort of celebration of it. And, and right now, it is an important part of it. Christmas is a whole bunch of things, but ultimately it's become the, the secular holiday that we take where we mix a lot of different traditions, including uh, the birth of Christ, which is representative of the Sun King, and numerous other aspects of it. And tons of people are going to explain this to you. What I'm going to explain to you is why... I hate Christmas, and I dislike you all. And that sounds like a weird thing to be talking about, but I also represent there's a lot of people who who feel the same way that I do. Um, My hatred of Christmas is a very deep one, and it started when I was very young. And it has to do with the fact of the cargo cult. What is a cargo cult? It is where where giving gifts is a priority and a requirement to remain inside society. And some of these cargo cults were very vicious. They would give you expenses that are too expensive for you or you had to maintain them. But it was a way to exchange materials, goods, in a way that allowed you to deal with inequality. So the rich could give the poor a lot of gifts or your servants a lot of gifts. And uh, so Christmas became a way to exchange monetary value. It also comes out of the idea of Saturnalia, And the idea of having this big, vast celebration at a time of the year when nothing else would work. For me, Christmas was the time in which my mother, who was a shopaholic, um, a very disturbed woman in a lot of ways, would overshop. And she would buy all sorts of presents for everybody. And it would make her feel good to spend that money because for her it was status of that gifts. The gifts were important to her that she could give away gifts. She could brag to her friends. She could tell people all of it. And she would pile gifts on us boys. I I have two brothers, one who's passed away a very long time ago, my brother Ken, and my brother John, uh, who's still alive with his own kids. Um, They would pile gifts on us. And then Grandpa and Grandma would do the same. And it just was this idea of wealth. And then within a couple of weeks, because at that time we didn't have credit cards, we didn't really buy gifts on on energetic, this would get worse later when you could buy credit cards. That we would have to eat hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, and and my mother would get mad that we wouldn't take care of our kids because we we're kids and everything else. And it became a very difficult time in the sense of it was very exciting to have all those presents, and there were never enough. And and then Christmas, and then after Christmas, we would be considered like any good cargo cut. Why aren't you caring for the gifts I give you? Why aren't you loving what I gave you? 
Why are you not giving me status as a great giver of gifts? Why are you not honoring me the way I want to be honored for what I've done for you? But as a kid, I never asked for that. I never really asked for it. Oh, sure, they would ask me what I wanted for presents, and I would be forced into this thing. And I just, I, it, it really caused me a great deal of damage. And I know a lot of people this causes damage to, to both the giver who feels like they have to give out gifts, this sort of weird extortion of the holiday to make everybody feel better. And realize it is such a dangerous cult that most stores don't make a profit until Christmas. And they're depending on that Black Friday to Christmas celebration to really up their profits. So, in other words, our society of America has become so dependent on this cargo cult of Christmas that it is essential to our economic good and that certain stores could be in big trouble if they don't sell enough goods. And, in fact, in the past, we've seen it. Before that, there was Yule, and even Christmas kind of folded into Yule. So you had a Santa Claus, and in the early days of America. We've got to remember the earliest days of America, they outlawed Christmas. It was a pagan holiday. And it was a time of giving gifts. It was a time of giving energy. It was a time of giving mostly drink and food to people. Essentially, the most important thing humanity ever did was give drink and food. That's why we celebrate. It's a way to share our food, to share our drink, to have those senses indulged deeply. And then came along Coca-Cola. Before that, Santa was a great figure. He was kind of the figure you all sorts of different images when he came over from Europe. And then Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, in order to sell more Coke, to make that drink, which was kind of a special drink, a Christmas edition, they invented and secured the red Santa that is dominant today. In fact, the dominant Santa Claus that exists today and the majority of the story was invented by the early bad men of our era, the advertisers, the guys who made up stories to get into our hearts, into our mind. And so they made him into the red Santa, red and white Santa. And that image was so given to us so many times, 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 so many times until it became the hyper-reality of Santa. And and it is the biggest single lie we tell our children. We try to make up answers. So what is a hyper-reality? It's a very important aspect of this. A hyper-reality is a fake or an imaginative reality that we accept as real or partially real, even if we know it's a false statement. We ask a lot of questions like, how could QAnon have succeeded? How can we have these people who believe in cults? How do we have these people who believe and absurdities so early, and we don't realize we teach absurdity to children. And in fact, every almost every adult sees it as a virtue to teach the absurdity of Santa and the elves right there to our children. And then they teach them to, we teach them that, and we get mad and angry when somebody reveals the secret. This is a conspiracy across America to make this hyper-reality of Santa a thing. That's right. We begin to lay the foundation of conspiracies 
and the foundation to force our children to believe in a fake entity. And right now people are screaming, it's not fake, it's the spirit of the season, it's all of these things. No, it is a false reality that we're teaching them in order to allow us to give them plentiful presence without taking personal countenance to this. And so we, we tell them that presents come from Santa, that their good nature brought it to them and everything else. And then when they discover that it's not true, we say, oh, well, we're going to bring you inside the conspiracy and you're going to help us become members of the conspiracy so that the younger children don't know what's real. And what this does is, a, is absolutely causes this ability to believe that lying is okay for a good purpose. So we lie about Santa. We lie about the elves. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was actually a Macy's, or Marshall Fields, um, imagery in Windows, a story that we told. And, and people says, oh, it's such a great story. It's about accepting those who are different. No, it isn't. It is saying that if you're outside the system, you will be picked on and you will be punished. And if you are different, like the misfit toys, you're not going to be accepted in society until you're needed to be productive. The story of Red, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a story of abuse to handicapped people until the day they are needed and the day that they can prove their value to society by being heroic. They were never accepted. And, in, and no one ever tells us about the story after Rudolph pulled that reindeer. Was he used every year? Was it a good thing? Or was it just that year that he was valuable and he was getting thrown away? I've thought about this. A lot. So Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a story about the value of being normal and that if you have a different trait, it's only going to be valuable at the last minute when everything else is done. They've tried everything else, and they discover you have that special trait, that special difference, and that you are going to be put to work. And because you can do that, then you have value. Only when there is a job for you when you're different do you have value. There are a lot of toxic experiences inside Santa. We have the big big red man who sells Coca-Cola, has the polar bears. We have this sort of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer who is picked on, punished, and abused until he has some value to the society. And then suddenly they're a hero after a lifetime of abuse. The other thing about it um, is that we teach absurdum because guess what? Well, in my house, it was beer and sandwich. Seriously, it was. My man said, oh, Santa gets a lot of milk and cookies. He wants a beer and a sandwich. And so we would lovingly make this sandwich for the person who really gave us our presents, my mom and dad. Yeah, um, you have hundreds of commercials, thousands of different images, emphasizing this hyper-reality. And it then sends another message. The other message is, is that if you're not good, you're going to get coal. Well, actually, we now know coal is bad for us anyway, so they said they give it to you. Or that you are not going to get presents. You have to be on the naughty or nice list. In other words... Your conformity to being good by our standards is going to directly replicate to your material well-being. 
I had so here's my first story of why I hate Christmas. Is that I know what it's like to be suddenly without cash, without poor. I lost my job. And my ex wife did it at the same time. And we had a year where we couldn't give kids my kids Christmas presents. Just couldn't. Couldn't afford it. Literally we we weren't making our rent. We had nice enough dinner and my mother and other family members came in and gave presents. But on that Christmas morning, my kids did not receive a present from us, did not receive a present from Santa. And and the pain and the hurt in their eyes was tremendous. Why didn't Santa leave them any presents? Were they that bad? Imagine then crashing the world saying, well, Santa Claus is not real. We don't have any money. You have to have money to buy presents. We sell them at the store. And it's parents and grandparents that buy presents. you child to know suddenly that Christmas was completely a fake reality that we created to kind of have this celebration? I know there's so many of you rejecting this story right now. You're asking, how dare I speak to this? I presume I don't have many children listening to it. I'm willing to expect that you're at least a teenager or older to do so. Imagine all the poor kids that don't receive a present when rich kids do. It innately says to you that Santa likes rich kids. Santa likes white children. Children, you know, he likes rich children. He likes children, you know, that uh, that are of different cultures. And, in, and cultures that don't celebrate the Jewish kid that doesn't get a present for Christmas, the Asian kid that doesn't get presents for kids, we're telling them a very racist and poverty strict that poor people and people who are different aren't seen as good. They're not seen as right. Um, and so we're kind of dealing with that. So... So we're sending this message that wealth equates to to goodness. doesn't matter how good you were in the year because you know those kids were bad or they should probably not deserve some of these wealthy things. But we reinforce the idea that good and wealth is good, that Santa is bringing you gifts so you're good no matter what your behavior is. And then if you're poor or don't have presents, that Santa is punishing you for things that are not you don't understand. And that child could have been a beautiful child, could have been a perfect child. Just had to come to a family that didn't have that much money. So now we have this roly roly fat man who supposed to be like the goodness of it, who spies on us constantly to tell us if we're good or bad, and that if we don't receive a present from him or presents from him and the value of those presents to him, we're bad people. At Elf on the Shelf, a relatively new phenomenon, and we were discovering that we also accept the observations that we're teaching our children to accept being spied upon and being watched, and that if you do bad things, forces of the world will look at it. We can get into elves, we can get all the other things, but the essential message of Christmas is if you're good, you receive material wealth. If you're bad, you don't receive material wealth and that you're being watched at all times. That is a terrible, terrible message. And then it tends to be a racist message.
because we don't see very many black Santas. We don't see very many Asian Santas. In fact, people who are caught in this type of reality get very, very angry when they see black Santas being normalized. It's evil when they do that. They're saying that Santa must be a white person and that a black Santa is not very good. You can't have a black Santa because it's not a black experience. So another way that we bring Christmas, the dark side of Christmas into it. So the, probably the biggest story is that I finally rebelled against my mother in this overt that. She was really mad. I was really mad at her. And, like, and she did something to me. And right before Christmas, you know, right before Christmas, and I just kind of refused to open my package. I said, I don't want them. And she says, okay, I'll give them away. I said, okay, let's give them away. And she says, she looked at me, and she walked out of the room. And I walked to the telephone, and I called my pastor. I mentioned him before, Pastor Raymond Bakke, the most famous urban, one of the more famous urban evangelists of the day. But he was early in his system. And I said, Pastor because I knew some of the kids in my church were not going to get presents. And here I had an absurd amount. And he, he came over. My mother was furious when she found out. This is Pastor Wagner. Ed called me. And I looked at all the presents I was given. And I said, take them. I said, can I donate them to you? And he says, yes. And his, my mother goes, I bought this for you. I go, I don't want them. And there was a little bit more of an exchange. And my pastor realized what he was walking into. And he says, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. Why don't you keep one of them? And I kept one of them. Right. And um, I kept all the clothes. The pastor Bakke made me keep the clothes. And I kept one toy, the cheapest of them all the toys, so a little bit, a couple of hot, hot, you know, um, matchbox cars. And probably my mother spent hundreds of dollars on those toys, a fair amount of money, and Pastor Bakke took them away. And Pastor Bakke told me I was a good person for giving away these toys, cheerless, but my mother would beat me within an inch of my life later that day and say, how dare she embarrass her? How dare she do this to her? How dare it? And that would be the end pretty quickly of my, me getting presents at Christmas. I would only get one or two presents from that point. And I was such a happier person. Now, understand, my great-grandfather had died when this happened, and my grandfather would die a little bit more than a year later. So the family would dissolve. And I spent years not celebrating Christmas. And then I had a family, and I gave away Christmas. And I found myself caught in the same paradigm. So we, we kind of calmed Christmas down. And I refused to put up Christmas trees and everything else. I was so damaged by the events of Christmas and the value of Christmas, I could not celebrate it without having triggering events. Um, Christmas is that we teach people an absurdity of elves and everything else, and everybody gets in on it to teach these children and then we betray them as adults and said, that betrayal, that pain, that why did you lie to me moment becomes, oh, well, we do this because there's a spirit of Christmas, spirit of Christmas all the time of giving and being celebratory. And guess what? It's nothing of the sort. It's a commercial cargo cult meant to sell a lot of presents. And when people try to celebrate Christmas in a more wholesome way, they get laughed at. 
So it's a great advertising campaign for the wealthy corporations. You want to argue why the one percenters are doing so well? You just have to look at Christmas, and that really tells us a lot. So I'm going to go into one more depth of, of Christmas that I think that adds to this. So we're supposed to be charitable and nice, and we get our families together. And I don't know how many gay people have been outed at Christmas. I don't know how many witches have been outed at Christmas for their families. I have not, cannot tell you how many people have brought me stories of terrible stories of how bad their family, how they got kicked out or they got outed out in their families and how they got chewed out and attacked or why aren't you married? The expectations of the family on what's how to conform to their system emphasized at Christmas. It gets us all into a box in which we can now embarrass and shame and anger our Christmas people, your family members who do not conform. So not only do we create a situation where we have this cargo code, where we must spend money, large sums of money, huge amounts of money for, for goods and things we may or may not need in order to remain our status as being generous and good. We make this tons of food, which is the absolute purpose of this holiday, in many ways, in my opinion, is to bring you good food. Yeah, to bring you good food, to, to eat well, to have fellowship. And that fellowship turns toxic until the family begins to argue and yell and be painful to those individuals. So that the gay person, the lesbian person, the person who's not hermonormative, the child who's doing poorly in school, the person who just quit college, the person who doesn't have a good job, could be you know the person who is struggling with their lives, the person with depression, the person that doesn't want to marry, the person who wants to be something else, gets outed by the family standards, and they do so. And it leads to suicide. It leads to depression. It leads to death. It leads to darkness. It leads to pain scars and tissue. And so it's now been 15 years or 16 years. I just stopped celebrating Christmas. And I absolutely told people, do not buy me presents. And it took a while. People bought me presents, and I rejected them. I admit, I lost a few friends over this. They were mad at me, but I wouldn't accept presents. And I didn't give today. I am probably – the. Uh, I, I, I think my friends have finally accepted this, my real friends, a lot of people I have. And I said, don't buy me presents. I won't buy you presents. Now, do I do gifting? Absolutely. I love giving gifts at birthdays. I think that's fun. I will give you a gift if I think that I want to give you a gift. I do not think gifting and the aspect of giving gifts is the bad thing here. No, I think that it's perfectly fine when I choose to and when you choose to. I accept gifts all the time. People give me things all the time, but I do not accept it as part of Christmas. You cannot give me presents at Christmas because you're being part of a cargo cult that I don't want to be a part of. I don't want that because when you give receive a present, everybody goes, oh, I have to give you one back. It becomes this sort of status or sympathy. Um, I actually worked at a law firm where I gave back my Christmas bonus one year, and they wouldn't accept it back. So this is your bonus. They go, why are you give me a bonus? Why don't you give me a bonus in June? Why don't you give me a bonus at other times? I made a real issue of it. In fact, that most of the lawyers of my firm were Jewish made it even more absurd to me. And they, they, 
they finally said, here's your year-end bonus. And I could accept it as a year-end bonus for the work that I've done. Simply giving me money out of the year because it's a holiday always struck me as nasty. Why isn't it tied into my remuneration? Why didn't you raise my pay throughout the year where I could have really used the help? Why am I not getting bonuses every month for my actions? Because it wasn't counted by my actions. It did a little bit, but it was because that firm was required to be, in order to be a company of good status, to give away money, regardless if the individual deserved it or didn't deserve it. And most of us did deserve more money. But they, instead of telling us that they gave us the money because we did a good job or give us some sort of incentive, they gave it as part of the holiday. Again, a sort of ugly little tactic in order to force those corporations to surrender cash. Because why did they give us the bonus? It wasn't so that we could put it in the bank and do better. It's so that we could go out and buy presents for our families so that the company, and now me as an individual gift giver, can have a higher status. Give us a good bonus. We use it to spend it on our present. Yeah. And we saw that in National Lampoon uh, Christmas Vacation, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas. The whole story is about a Christmas bonus and how bad it was. What happened to that family? Griswold did not get a, the bonus that he was expecting. That's right. Even the message there of how important that bonus was to the celebration. Nasty. Mean. Cold. There's very little of Christmas's actuality for me that believes it. And so we get to Yule. Now, Yule, I, I like to a certain degree when it's pure, when it doesn't have gift giving as part of it. You know, it wasn't really part of it. Or maybe a gift exchange, one present to one person. Uh, those I can actually live with. But the fact is, is that too many pagans, instead of seeing it as a holiday for pagans, celebrating a spiritual experience of the year of the end and the rebirth of the year and bringing hope and energy back to the world, that we're surviving it. They're trying to turn it into Christmas alternative. In fact, we go out of our way to say those best parts of Christmas are stolen from pagans and a part of the commercialization of the Christmas tree because it was a tradition elsewhere. A lot of what we think of as Yule has been commercialized into Christmas, and we then feel bad because our holiday has been stolen. It wasn't stolen. That is the absurdity of it. It wasn't appropriated. It wasn't ours to begin with. It was some ancestors of our celebration. We can celebrate any way we want to. But then we have this battle over it. Why? Because Christians want to keep it for themselves. And we can't overlook it. We become this divided culture. So I've come to dislike Yule, not because of what it means, but because of our desire, because of the community's desire to say, this is ours, and it's unique to us, and while you're celebrating, you should respect us. Instead of earning that respect, we're demanding it through conflict, the war on Christmas, happy holidays. And instead of really looking at the holiday, we just feed into this goddamn cargo cult. 
So I hate the holiday. Now, how do I survive it? I do isolate myself a lot on Christmas. I let everybody else celebrate. In fact, I keep my mouth shut during the holidays, and I have actually – I'm not around. Um, I allow my family to go celebrate with their married couples. And my, my daughter has a beautiful family. My son has a beautiful family. And they have people who do celebrate and have really healthy holidays to a certain degree. They do put limits on the presents. They do some of the things that are done, try to make it healthier. And so I don't really criticize it. I try to avoid criticizing it. I don't criticize it. I do not publicly tell you you're all bad. I don't fight for you all. I don't fight for it. I let you celebrate. And so I allow myself to walk away. The other thing that you can, people can do is that they can speak up and say, you do not have a right to speak with me. For me, isolation from it. Or, you know, you don't buy presents. I'm not going to buy presents. Why should I buy presents for you? Why? Why should I celebrate with you if I don't like to? And I stand up for my sovereignty. So I don't participate. And over the last, especially the last decade, decade and a half, it's been good. And I even go to family. I've gone to my daughter's family uh, for Christmas a couple of times, not very often. And I eat the food and I smile and everything. And they don't give me presents and I don't really bring presents over. And so they've come to respect me by standing up for what I believe in, to give them the dirty side of this, what I'm giving you today. But I'm saying I just I don't I, I it's useful to me, and I barely tolerate Yule now. Um, I'd rather not be at Yule celebrations. It's one pagan holiday that I do not go to very much. Um, I don't. I don't participate. I don't like the rituals. I don't like any of it because it's no longer – I haven't found a group that celebrates it in a very pure way. It's tainted with this Christmas war. For me, what would be a perfect one? One, you, you, you go out, you fast. You stand vigil for the night, you wait. To, you knock out the fire, and when dawn comes, you light the fire, and then you celebrate the, the sun's return. That's Yule. That is the purest form. You take time, you love the longest night of the year, you turn out the fire, you deal with the cold, you deal with the hardship, you deal with the world as it is, and then when dawn comes, you relight the fire. And then you celebrate the fact that you have survived. I would celebrate that more. And so how do you survive it if you do not like Christmas? One, set your rules. Let everybody know your rules. If you don't want presents from them and they normally give you presents, say, please don't give me presents. But that's hard because the greed inside of us loves getting those presents for things, especially things you can't afford for yourself. Things that you might want and, and can't afford. So I get that. So you have to overcome the greed of Christmas. Because Christmas is a greedy, greedy season. And Santa Claus is an entity that we beg them to give us what we want because we're greedy, because we're hungry, because we have this need to fill our hearts with material goods. So go to people when you can and break that habit first. Or accept it. It's okay for you to accept it. Just because I don't like it or I think that it's that, you can go ahead and celebrate it. Remember, a good number of people celebrate this. Not everybody. And family, 
of the toxic group. Don't beat up on your niece who's, who happens to be having a girlfriend. You know, celebrate it. Don't make her afraid or embarrassed for who she is. Do not become part of the gang attack on individual members of your family. Do not add to the gossip. In fact, find out what they're doing good. And if they need help, I mean real help, help them. When Christmas is good, it's when we realize the pain that other people are in. And that our feelings of generosity, our feelings of charitability come through. And we help them. The best Santas are the individuals who don't answer to our greed to give presents and do that superficial crap, but go out and say, wow, you need real help. How can I help you? What can I do to make your life better? I mean, a lot of families would be better off, and mine was, is if instead of giving us all the, you know, spending those hundreds of dollars of printers, we would have paid the paid additional to the electric bill, help it towards rent, help it towards gas, help it towards getting food on a daily basis. And yes, and I think that giving clothes is one of the best things about old Christmas because clothes were expensive and, and the requirement to give all the servants clothes was okay. That was good. When I was dealing with the disparity of wealth and that you could get good clothes, it becomes part of the system that allows for us to, to go ahead and really help. Not buy plastic shit, you know, plastic crap that is going to be broken in two days. Not to show off how, how rich you are. I did it to a friend once, a friend of mine, a very good friend. And I it was a year I had really good money. And I bought them a TV. I knew they had a broken TV and I bought them a TV. They were mad at me. They said that was too much. I embarrassed them. Now, they had the TV for years. They said, never do that to me again. And like, okay, I won't. And that was one of those, that was about, that was really one of the triggers to me the last year of actually giving and receiving presents. Because sometimes giving an expensive present to somebody who can't afford it just reminds them of their poverty. They couldn't do it for themselves. We're taking away their self-esteem. So Christmas and the art of giving can also damage people's self-esteem. So we set up this absurdly toxic environment based on lies of a, of a celebratory system, trying to cover it up and get everybody involved with it so we can continue to go up. We, we mark out the differences of those who don't celebrate. You know, Warren Christmas, you just say, Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. It disrespects Hanukkah. It disrespects all of the other holidays all of these other cultures are, are celebrating around the same time because it's not Christmas, the Christian experience. Then the pagans go out and attack the Yule. And then we have, like they said, the absurdity of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, who says, it's okay, you, know, you will get picked on if you're different until you're useful. Everything about Christmas ends up being a commercial cult. And Yule becomes the attack on that cult to try to say these are our things. Instead of making them sacred to ourselves and ignoring that, we go to war and try to gain back that respect. 
how can I honor and respect any of this if this is the way I feel? Only thing I can do is get out of the way and let you celebrate the way you do and let you know this is really a message not to the mainstream. In fact, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail over this. But to understand that your feelings of this and your desire not to celebrate and not to become part of this or to change those celebrations to fit your respect and your honor is okay. And in fact, it's healthy if you allow yourself not to participate. There's nothing wrong with not participating, even though you will get harassed. Oh, you don't know how many times they've gotten harassed for not doing it. So while I, I say happy, you know, blessed Yule and Merry Christmas to you, understand I'm doing it because you celebrate it. And I hope that on time people will respect why I don't celebrate it. And maybe we can start working on some of those toxic elements to make it a better holiday because we're never going to get rid of it because we can never live without it. Without it, our economy crashes. Think about it. We're so caught up in this cargo cult that our entire economy, the corporations, absolutely depend on us spending money. And most of us can't afford it, but we do it anyway. Check your status. Check your privilege. And remember, Santa is the spirit of giving, but it is the spirit of going in debt. It is the spirit of telling people who are good and who are bad. It is the spirit that damages poor children every year and sends a terrible message to bad, rich kids. Please, please consider all of this when you're celebrating Christmas and understanding why so much pain And make it a better holiday for everybody. Blessed be. Until next month. Amen.
And if you are a merry witch, you'll bring you all the best. So get that star up on the roof and bake those cookies too. Cause Christmas time is really Yule and Santa's digging too. Now Santa's way more jolly than most Christians would require. If you weren't so busy, he'd be dancing round this fire. Yeah, you can call it Christmas, you got a sleigh out gun. But just you wait till Beltane, and we'll see who's having ho ho. Hey, Santa Claus is taking two, just like all the rest. And if you are a merry witch, he'll bring you all the best. So get the star up on the roof and bake those cookies too. Cause Christmas time is really Yule, and Santa's taking two. Hey, Santa Claus is taking two. Please do.